Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates and paint and troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get We've had lots of discussions on the podcast about Section 230, usually exploring the ins and outs and nuances of the law and sometimes sticking into some of the proposals to change it. Uh, one thing we haven't really had, though, uh, were people on the podcast who think that the law is problematic and in need of significant reform. Uh, Gilad Edelman is a reporter for Wired magazine and wrote this month's cover story article entitled Everything You've Heard About Section 230 is Wrong. Uh, and while I think that title is uh, actually pretty accurate for many, many people, uh, Edelman's article mostly seemed to take issue with what people like myself were saying about Section 230, and arguing that we're the ones who are wrong about it. Uh, it's a long and detailed article that does delve deep into the history of the law and also pre presents uh, a number of different and opposing views, uh, including uh, some of my views uh, and the views of some other supporters of 230, that we, many of whom we've had on the podcast before. Uh, I have said that I, I felt my views and, and some of those others' views were uh, presented in a way that felt, to me, uh, misleading and perhaps somewhat out of context, uh, and uh, also presented the views of many critics of the law. Uh, and uh, I felt that those views were not challenged as much as some of the other views were in, in the article. Uh, I wrote a long response to Edelman's feature article, and I will admit that I also perhaps uh, sniped a bit at him <laughs> and his editor on Twitter uh, about what I felt were problems in the article. Uh, in the spirit of our recent podcast about bad behavior on Twitter and trying to be better about it and having good faith conversations with people, I felt that perhaps Twitter wasn't the best place for such a discussion and invited him to join me on the podcast today to talk about his article and to discuss where we see differently about 2.30. So, uh, Gilad, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think Twitter is, is not the best place to really have any conversation. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, well, we'll get into that <laughs> in a bit. I think I, I'm not sure I agree. I, I agree that it, 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 it causes problematic behavior in lots of cases, but. But I, I also think I've actually had a lot of really interesting conversations and learned stuff on it. Um, but <laughs> we're, we're getting a little bit off topic already. So we're, we can get there. I, I, bring, that, I bring that chaos. <laughs> there we go. So, but, but, but let's start with, with your piece and then we can, we can go in wherever we want to go as, as we go. But, you know, one of my issues with the article, as you know, I think, is that um, it, it read to me um, – you know, as, as kind of a hit piece on, on those of us who support 230. Um, and it, it felt to me, again, that it presented myself and some others as kind of a caricature, sort of distantly related to our actual positions and, and sort of setting us up as straw men that you could kind of <laughs> knock down to tell the narrative that you wanted to tell. So um, I, I, it's, you can disagree with that, <laughs> with, with that characterization. So uh, here, here's your chance. Can you sort of explain really what you wanted to accomplish with the piece? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, the first thing I wanted to accomplish, honestly, was just figure out what I thought about Section 230. So it was kind of an excuse for me to really dig in because I'm attracted to the kinds of stories where you take something that's really hard to, to understand and come to a, a view on and, and try to mm -hmm. do that. And then and then I was going to say secondarily, but sort of tied for prim primary purpose is bring that to the reader. So my, my goal, once I, in addition to figuring out what I thought was to try to kind of empower wired readers who, you know, normal people who have heard stuff about this law, but don't know what to think of it, don't know which strong opinions are correct um, or why it matters. And it's funny, I mean, to, to your point about the headline, everything you've heard about Section 230 is wrong, that's pitched at the average person, right? Like, obviously, right. there are people for whom that <laughs> right. is literally not true. <laughs> there are many people who have heard true things about it, right? So it was a, it's it's intentionally provocative and... Um, and it's it's more targeted at the person who probably has only heard about Section 230 from a Trump rally or, you know, from Joe Biden shooting his mouth off with the New York Times editorial board. So so that's so that's kind of my target audience. And as, as you, you know, generously pointed out in your piece that was otherwise taking a big dump on my head, which, <laughs> which is which is fine. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of just kind of history and context and, and sort of just you know, ex legal explainerism. I don't know if you certainly didn't use those words, but that's what a lot of it is, is, is trying to help people understand the backstory. But then, of course, it absolutely takes a point of view. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go. Keep going. So, I mean, we, we should just get into... So, okay, so right. So, so then, to your point about feeling misrepresented, I think you're right that I devote more time to the views, to, ex to the views of Section 230's staunchest defenders and the reason i ended up doing that is that it i didn't want to spend a ton of time explaining why ted cruz and donald trump and joe biden their you know super simplistic comments are wrong i thought we can dispense with that pretty quickly people kind of understand when you tell them that prominent politicians are spouting their mouths off mm -hmm. um but there's a much more interesting debate and what there's a much more interesting debate around this that is not simply it's not just political posturing and it's not purely industry you know talking points although that's part of it as it is with any regulatory debate you know there's a real kind right. of philosophical legal argument here and i wanted to really unpack that and help people understand section 230 as law right mm -hmm. not just as like a tech story but as a law story about how law works and to do that you know, I came up against um, arguments, you know, made by people like you, certainly by Eric Goldman, who I who I focus on a lot in the piece because he kind of emerges as the most kind of omnipresent and and sort of relied upon source uh, for this side of the debate. And so I wanted to set up those points of view and then, um, you know, give my account for why I don't think they're satisfying to, to, to your, to, you know, to your objection about me misrepresenting you. I have thought about this, you know, since we've been arguing about it on Twitter. And I think that really, 
you're there's no way for me to present what you say, say it's wrong, and then you walk away feel, feeling like I represented you correctly because I think really we just disagree. And and there may be some element to that. Um, you know, I, I I think fundamentally we do disagree, which is fine, and and I don't have a problem with that. I'm not saying that everybody has to agree with me. Certainly, I mean there are lots of people who disagree with me. Um, I, I my issue was that. Um, Wait, Mike. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah. Actually, I, I feel like probably a lot of people haven't read <laughs> sure. either the piece or your post, so. I'll just read the part where I talk about you specifically, okay. right? Because that's kind of what we were sniping over anyway. <laughs> um, so I'm, this is a part where I'm saying I'm basically – let's see. I, okay. Other Guardians of 230 – so I've just, I've, I've just cited Eric Goldman saying that um, if any tweaking Section 230 could cause the entire fortress to crumble. So I'm talking about the fortress of the internet and all the Mm -hmm. speech and and economic activity it's it's enabled. And then I say, other guardians of 230 sound even more apocalyptic notes when the law comes up for debate. After a group of Democratic senators proposed a bill to limit the law's protections in early February, Mike Masnick, founder of the venerable... Notice I said venerable, by the way. (laughs) I want... (laughs) Founder of... You you glazed right over that. Um... (laughs) Founder of the venerable policy blog TechDirt wrote that the changes could force him to shut down not just the comments section, but his entire website. Right. So that's that's what we're fighting over, just to give readers some context. Yeah, and 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 so let me yeah, and and that's useful context. And, and so the point that I made in in my response, which actually I didn't focus that much on that, I, and I, I should For make sure. it clear, like you know, my my issues with the article are not just like hey me me me, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is you know that that is the sort of one point where I am mentioned. And you're correct that I did say that, but the point that I raised in response was specific to the, to that particular bill, which is the Mark Warner bill, um, which you know there are there have been you know dozens at this point of bills to reform 230 over the past couple of of years um and and i've written about a bunch of them um not all because it's, it's literally impossible to keep up with all of them uh, well i guess uh, unless you're eric goldman um exactly but... <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but you know, it's it's presented as as you know. I take this um, this view on on any particular two thirty reform bill that it will clearly sort of destroy absolutely everything, and that I would need to shut down TechDirt under any of them. And I've never made that claim that I would shut down the site except under the Warner bill, which I think is particularly bad and particularly poorly reasoned. Um, and I, I know that you disagree with that because you also wrote an article in support of that that approach and and, and even argued that it might not even go that might not go far enough. Um, and so so like I, I under like your point from your from from where you're sitting is like you quoted me and I said exactly what I said, and that is correct. And and I I don't have an issue with that. But in the context of what you said, you know, the the apocalyptic uh line and and this idea that you know i can't can't even you know discuss any proposal on 230 or any kind of 230 reform without going to some sort of hyperbolic uh response is really kind of what i took issue with because you know 
I've discussed all of these different bills that I've discussed, and some of them I think are in bad faith. Some of them I think are in good faith, but completely misunderstood. Um, and and I and I have said many times, you might not believe me, but you know, if there is a proposal that I think is will create a better result. I'm happy to see it. I don't do not think that 230 is the absolute perfect and you know be all end all solution. It's just that every reform bill that I've seen, I don't think really understands the impact that will have, and in many ways that that the impact will be a lot worse than what we have now. Great. It, let's it, let's okay. let, wait. That, this is you're, you're throwing a lot. This is a big beefy paragraph, <laughs> and I want I'm going to forget everything that you said if we don't. But I but okay. let's let's make let's agree to come back to that point. But at first, I want to I want to start with some of the other things you said. So, I mean, point. I, I hear I hear what you're saying, which is that you, you feel like what's left out here is that you're not always as doom and gloom as you were about safe tech. I should say, by the way, that I have I'm not here to defend the safe tech act. Sure. And and also I've I've cooled to its approach significantly since, you know, my my snap reaction was pretty positive uh, in particular. And, and I, you know, you I think your listeners are pretty familiar with what we're talking about. I think that the 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 exemption approach where it's no 230 for this type of claim no 230 for that type of claim i do not like that i think there's all i i i, I think there's all kinds of problems with that some of which you and i would even agree about um however however some things to keep in mind when you can when you come across a paragraph like this this is a 9000 plus word <laughs> magazine story and right. i was and it is already stuffed to the seams with me trying to kind of engage with all the counter arguments that I think are going to come up and give all the context. And, and I just, I had to, you can't do that. If I had, if I had addressed every counter argument, it would have been a book. I would have just done right. my own version of Jeff Kossoff's book. And so to, to some extent, um, to some extent, the reader kind of trusts me right. and, and relies on my judgment. And it's up to me to be exercising good judgment. And so, like, we can dig into the safe tech thing. But, you know, and I, the, the irony here, Mike, is that if I had gone more in depth on your position on safe tech, it would have you would have been more mad because I do <laughs> I do think it's unreasonable. And, and that might like we could we could dig into that if you want sure. and, and have a, like a sidebar on that, um, because I, I do think that your claim specifically that that it would force you to shut down your site is hyperbolic. And so for me, you know, set aside th that you don't agree it's hyperbolic, but to, for me, that's my judgment. And so I am fairly relaying that. And so there there is a level of judgment here that is kind of inescapable. I have to make these judgments because I can't right. reproduce the whole column and then my analysis of it. Uh, on, on the last thing you were saying, I think this is this is interesting. So you say you don't think Section 230 is perfect. So I'm curious from you. So what do you, what do you think is wrong with Section 230? I, I don't I don't know. So I don't know that I'm saying that there's anything wrong with Section 230. I think I think there's a re that that um, I think anyone can recognize that the internet itself is not perfect, and that the internet has problems, and that you know we live in a world now where 
there is a tremendous amount of of misinformation and disinformation that that flows on the internet right um and i think that is a, it's a big issue and it's an issue that needs deep thought and consideration on what do you do about it um and so you know i i know that the focus of a lot of people is on 230 i'm not wholly convinced that it is a problem that can be solved by reforming 230. Yeah. If- I, and I, I should say, even though I did this big story, mm-hmm. w- the one thing that that I, I that I do have slight misgivings about is that I don't I don't want to suggest that I think Section 230 is the most important thing when it comes to improving the Internet. It's, right. it's, it's just it's, it's a thing and it's a thing that people need to understand. Um, so I, I do agree with you th- to, to some extent, but but I want to make us an observation here, which is that if you're saying that there's nothing wrong with something and that it can't be improved, you, you kind of are saying it's perfect. I'm, I'm referring to Section 230. Um, so, I, I mean, I think we're, we're talking about slightly different things here, but, but it's, it's worth exploring. So um, I, I think that as far as I've seen to date, Section 230 works well. I think that it creates the right balance of incentives for um, everyone involved. I am recognizing that there are a bunch of other problems on the internet. And I am open to the idea that if you could come up with a version of 230 that fairly addresses those problems and does not create other worse problems, I am open to talking about that. And I am open to looking at those things. Um, But, you know, I think that that there's plenty of evidence that the the setup of 230 in which you know we do not hold the the platforms liable for third party speech has worked very well for a variety of things and ha- has actually done a good job so yeah i mean obviously i'm a supporter of section 230 but that doesn't mean i don't think that there you know that that it can't be improved in, in some way or another. That doesn't mean I know the way to improve it. All I know is that, you know, I look at every one of these proposals and I see only ways in which they make things worse. And I see very few ways in which I, I can see them making the world a better place. Right, right. I, so so what do you think about situa- situations in which there are so-called bad Samaritans? This is an issue yeah. that I discuss in my piece you know, I think one thing that that you point out a lot, which is right, is that it's it's not like the entire internet is Facebook. Right. That there's all different kinds of actors um, on the internet, and um, you know, one one subset of the Section two thirty debate that I devote some attention to in the piece is what do you do about sites that seem to be seem to exist for the purpose of soliciting right. Um, abusive, harassing, defamatory posts about either individuals or businesses, and but because those things are submitted by users, uh, there's you know they, they don't face any legal problems. A lot of the reform efforts are focused on that type of situation. Yeah, and and to be honest, like if the reform efforts really did just focus on that issue, I might be more open to them. Um, I don't think they do. Almost every one of the proposals, you know, I, I, because every you know the politicians always seem to lump in all sorts of things, right? And I don't think that they're as narrowly focused as as you describe them as. Now, so the issue that I, <laughs> excuse me, the issue that I go to there is you're right that there are. Um, 
there are some sites that are like that. Um, I don't think that there are that many of them or that they are that large or, in fact, that most of them, there are a few exceptions that I'll grant, but most of them don't seem to last very long. By yeah. the way, for just for listeners, there was a, a piece that was very informative, and I don't think it was too uh, doctrinaire in any particular direction, in the New York Times recently about, they, they called yes. them um, um, uh, slander sites. Yeah. Uh, so, so go check that out. It was uh, it was co-bylined. One of the authors was the the great reporter Kashmir Hill. So, if you yep. want to learn more about what we're talking about, you can read about it there. Yeah, and 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 that's that's exactly what I was thinking about. It's it's a great article, and it describes. It. And it was sort of a follow up to an article that that uh, Cash had done earlier uh, as well um, about a particularly ab- abusive person who who went around harassing people, um, some people she had a grudge going back decades against, um, and that, you know, the, the people involved had forgotten, and yet there was all sorts of false and defamatory information pl- put online. Um, and so and there are sites out there um, that, that have that kind of content and that have been abused and um, you know, and, and frankly, I've been the victim of some of that abuse uh, as well, um, mainly from people who, who are trying to, 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 to uh, prove me a hypocrite on 230, basically, is <laughs> the way I'd, I'd look at it. Um, and so people will post defamatory information and see if I get mad about it. Um, you know, in, in those cases, I think there are, there are a few different things. So one, as I said, like there are one as I said, like there are some of those sites out there five, 10 years ago with like all the revenge porn sites that sort of to, to some extent define this trend as well. Um, and you had people who were deliberately seeking out, um, you know, again, what is sometimes referred to as revenge porn or, or non-consensual pornography. Mm-hmm. It's basically people who have, you know, have uh, pictures of, of other people without their clothes on and are posting it without their permission to these sites. Um, many of those sites also set up a, a really scammy um, and in some cases extortionate business model in which uh, you could get your pictures taken down if you paid them money for it. Um, now, a lot of those sites have been shut down. Some of the um, creators of those sites have been arrested. Some of them are in jail. Um, some of them have been gone after by the FTC. Um, there have been all sorts of efforts that, you know, have, have been undertaken by government officials who can write the laws and say that those kinds of sites actually are breaking various laws. Um, and I, for the most part, do not have problems with that. There are some cases where I have concerns about where some of those cases went and how far some of those cases, how far reaching some of those cases were. Um, But on the whole, I think that what has happened to the people who have operated those sites and how they have been arrested or, um, you know, have become outcasts and those sites no longer exist is a good thing. Um, But that also shows that there are you know, existing laws, existing rules, existing ways to take care of many of those sites. That that's true. It's it's important to to keep in mind that civil liability in Section two hundred and thirty is not the entire beginning right. and end of the legal system. But you know, some of these more prominent sites that I talk about in the article that have been the subject of numerous high profile lawsuits yeah. are are continuing to thrive. So that sure. problem remains. Um, you know, on the on your point about how um, you know, you just, you're open to, to, you're open in principle to Section 230 reform, but every 
proposal just seems to make things worse. I mean, that's that is the attitude that I'm kind of responding to in the article. <laughs> um, and 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 I think it's you know the, the the way I kind of set it up in the piece is that you have three of three main camps, and by main I mean like most loudest or most prominent and 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 sure. two of them two of them are pointing the gu- guns at the middle the one in the middle which is the camp that you're in so the camp in the middle is leave section two, leave section 230 alone basically right and then you've got the you know the right wing section 230 is why they're allowed to censor conservatives and then you've got the the left wing which is far less of a phenomenon frankly like the 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 democratic party has not latched on to 230 as a political cudgel in the way that the republican party has but the the crude manifestation of that is the joe biden we should repeal section 230 which which as i write in the article seemed to step when he said when he made that comment it seems to stem from him being mad that Facebook didn't take down a misleading attack ad about him, which which I point right. out in the article, like sh- they sh- there was nothing illegal about that. So it's a dumb it's dumb to blame Section 230 for that. So and then, you know, the, the, when, you know, going back to the my cheeky headline, everything you've heard is wrong. What, what I'm trying to say is that none of those absolutist positions are the right way of thinking about the law. Sure. And so when I say, when I describe your position as as absolutist, this is where we get into, um, you know, my the, the reason that I thought it was fair game to to rely on your analysis of the Safe Tech Act, for example, where I don't think that so so your your point about Safe Tech, the Safe Tech Act, is that um, because it would among other things, and I agree, it's too much of a grab bag. I, I, I agree, there's lots, um, there's lots to criticize about it. Um, uh, b- because it would, among other things, pull Section 230 away from, um, from content where, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stalling because I realize I should just look <laughs> up the actual language, except to the extent the provider or user has accepted payment to make the speech available. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, well, that would force, I think that's the one that you, I th- I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's the provision that you said um, that, that would tor- torpedo uh, 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 tech dirt. I, I, I actually don't remember. I mean, it's been a few months. I don't remember which provision I was most concerned about, and I'm not convinced that is it. Um, well, sorry, I, maybe I I'll, throw, I'll throw one yeah. other thing out there. Um, the other thing that Safe Tech does that you, that you objected to was that it would turn Section 230 into an affirmative defense. And so... Right. Basically, this would turn it from something that you win at the very, very earliest stage of litigation, which is a motion to dismiss, and you'd have to go at least to the second stage, which is a motion for summary judgment, where you have to present some evidence. And you say, this bill would absolutely destroy most of the open web. That's a quote. So, and, and then of of, um, of tech dirt, um, sorry, I feel like I should, I, I feel like I just have this open. Yes, I do. So... Um, <laughs> And I know we're getting a little bit into the weeds, but I think it's important because it, it, it shows what I'm trying to sort of respond to with my article. So, right. So what you say is saying that you don't get immunity, C, Section C1, the immunity mm-hmm. provision, if money exchanges hands, basically wipes out Section 230 for many, many services. So right. so, so, so two things here. So, so one is that um, reading it as anytime money changes hands, I think is is an example of reading a proposal extremely uncharitably it's pretty clear that or it's beyond clear they've said that this whole thing about 
taking Section 230 away when the provider or user has accepted payment is trying is, is addressing advertising. But or that's paid, not or that's, paid that's, posts. That's what, that's what they've said outside of the bill. But the language of the bill does not say that. That so hang on. So a couple of responses to that. First yeah. of all, language of bills is always can always be interpreted in an extra literal way uh, that would lead to bad results. And in fact, as I talk about in the article, this has happened with Section 230. Sure. And it could, it could happen even more because look at what Section 230 says. It says, um, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. If you interpreted that really literally, then if I emailed you something slandering somebody else and you published it yeah. in an article, it would if we just read that literally, you're immune. Right. And, and in fact, there are some cases that go in that direction. Like I write about the Batzel case and that's... You know, right. clearly not uh, what really the, the, the law is addressed to. The law is addressed to the moderation problem where you have too much content that you could p ever possibly moderate. So right. this is a long way of saying it's, it's, it's never appropriate to treat the words in a total vacuum and stretch them to their logical end point, even though I think it is fair to say, hey, hang on, you know, you might be writing this in an overly broad way. My my objection to the way you treated it is that it mm -hmm. seemed like you didn't even. There's no I don't I don't even know that you mentioned the word advertising in this. Like you sort of jump straight to the worst possible interpretation extension of it rather than engaging with what it's clearly designed to do. But my problem with it is that I don't think it's clearly designed to do that. I know that, that Senator Warner has said that outside of the bill, but the text of the bill, if they want it to be just about advertising, it's very easy to have said that it should be about advertising. It says anything involving payment. And you read that, and, and it is not an extreme interpretation to say that web hosting is now exempt from 230. Right. I mean, that's no, I, I think it is an extreme interpretation. I'm not I don't think it's so extreme that it's defies, you know, I, I understand how you're getting there, but I think it is an extreme interpretation because, again, laws are read in context. Sure. And except to the extent the provider or user has accepted payment to make the speech available. Right. Um, and, you so know, that's that, web hosting. That's literally web hosting. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's really not, though, because accepted payment to make the speech available implies, you know, a, a more direct transaction regarding that speech. Now, I agree. I, I, I'm being too defensive of, of the Safe Tech Act because I actually think that this is a crappy way to phrase it. You know, so I'm, I'm actually not going to the mat for it. I'm just I, I'm I what I'm saying is that you could say here's how they should reword that to have it achieve the intended result. But I don't think you did that. I think you just kind of jumped to, well, here's why that would take out everybody who ever gets paid to do anything on the Internet. And so I, I don't think that was a very charitable way to read it. Okay. I mean, I, fair enough. Um, well, let, okay. Let's, okay. Yeah. So forget that part. Let's talk about whether it would kill tech dirt. I think that's actually the more interesting conversation. <laughs> okay. So would it kill tech dirt? You tell me why it would kill tech dirt. Well, so there, there are a few reasons that I brought up in my article why I think it would be impossible for us to, to survive. And, and part of that is that, you know, what, 
what keeps TechDirt alive, honestly, is our community, right? We're we're mostly a reader-supported site. Like, I don't know if you look right now, like, we don't have advertisements on it other than, you know, our house ads, basically, um, in part because we've, we've had an ongoing, uh, long-running dispute with, with advertising providers and the demands that they put on us and that we're not willing to give in on. Um, and so, you know, we are supported by our readers and part of that support is supported by our readers. And part of that support is the community. Um, you know, the vast majority of threats of lawsuits that we've gotten over the years have been over people's comments on the site. Um, if we are going to face liability for that, and that includes the, switching C1 from an immunity to an affirmative defense, that creates massive liability for us and having comments and being able to build our community, right? And and so for us, I don't know how we still have a business if we can't build a community on the site. Right. And so this, this, this is why I bring up the example of Canada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in your response to my article, you, you bring up some, some pushback to that, which I think like is is very thoughtful and and there's no question that I oversimplified in 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 the article by just having one teensy little section about this but here's the but I think the basic point still holds up so so I've, before before you do that do should we just discuss kind of the the Canada issue really quickly um just so people know cuz again yeah, yeah, I yeah. So, read the article so basically my 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 thinking was you know people make all these arguments about what would happen if if section 230 didn't exist oh this would happen that would happen and i thought well there are other countries out there that don't have section 230 or an equivalent law and have similar legal systems i wonder what happens there so i just called a bunch of people in canada um journalists and and business owners and and you know i just poked around at, and and looked at what at homegrown Canadian websites. And I was just wondering, you know, okay, is it, the, is it true that you just can't have comments sections in Canada or that you can't have customer user reviews because all the same dynamics that would apply to TechDirt would apply to a Canadian site that tries to host comments. And what I found was, no, that's not the case. That, you know, news sites have comments sections and the commerce sites have customer reviews. And the open internet exists in Canada, and that does seem like a data point against. Um, you, you know, of, of course, it's not the same. Canada is not the same as the United right. States, but it's similar. And I, I do think that if you're, that's a data point against. Well, if you peeled back some of our immunity, we would just get wiped off the map by uh, by litigation. And 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 then just to to tie the loop on that, and the reason is that it's not like the alternative to Section two hundred and thirty is losing every lawsuit. There's all kinds of reasons why, you know, people could sue Wired every day if they wanted. Wired's not Facebook, it's not YouTube, but we publish, you know, 10, 15 pieces a day, plenty of fodder for us to get sued. Why don't we? Because people don't want to sue when they're going to lose and they would lose all those lawsuits. See, but okay. So let me just sort of, yeah, I I threw a lot in there. (laughs) And, And so, you know, there are lots of examples of, you know, lawsuits against, uh, you know, news publishers where they know they're going to lose. I mean, that's the nature of what a slap suit is, right? And so we have lots of issues with that. And, you know... Oh, and by the way, I think I 100% think there should be a federal anti-slap law. And I think that would be a really good thing to include in a Section 230 package. 
Right. And, throwing and, that out there. Sure. And and that's an example of something that I actually think is interesting. I think that if we had good state level and federal level protections against uh, slap lawsuits, that might make me a lot more interested in, in reforming 230. You know, I, I think it's the combination of those things that is the concern. And so the, the, the concern to me as someone who has been in court and used 230 to protect us, uh, you know, as part of a what I very strongly believed was a, a slap suit against us that involved, you know, partially uh, comments from from our community um, and that we use 230 to help get us out of that lawsuit uh, in, in a reasonable period of time and at a somewhat limited expense. I can barely even say that. You know, if we had had to have gone through the process of discovery in that particular lawsuit, I think we would be dead. Um, so and, a couple... And so that's, that is my, my major issue with that, is that you say, oh, you know, nobody's going to sue. But we, we do see a lot of lawsuits, and those lawsuits are incredibly expensive. And, and, and that's even just, you know, we got... We, you know, uh, got out of the the lawsuit on a motion to dismiss, which is that first stage, which is where 230 currently applies. If we had to go and 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 the the plaintiff in that case very desperately wanted it to go to through discovery because they knew that it would cost us an insane amount of money to go through that. You know, I don't know that we would have survived. We barely survived as is. T- totally, and and I should say, like, I'm not. I'm a journalist, right? I'm not like itching to see floods of defamation suits. This is a real problem that I don't want to suggest that it's not. Um, but, 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 but a broad point to keep in mind is there's trade-offs with everything. Sure. There, any, any regulatory or, or liability regime that you set up will have negative consequences and it will have occasions like you, you know, you mentioned the guy in Canada who got sued for linking to something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying that's awesome that that happened. Um, there's always going to be losers. There are lo- just as there are losers under the status quo. So we do have to keep in mind that just because you can imagine a negative outcome doesn't mean that it's on balance worse than what we have now. To your point about um, about the lawsuit, um, I mean a few things. One, I mean, I read I read the opinion in that case. Am I wrong? Didn't didn't you win on the motion? Didn't wouldn't you have won anyway on the motion to dismiss even without two thirty because he's a public figure and it was a matter of public concern? Didn't you also win on that basis? So there were different different statements that we were sued over. There were fourteen different claims in 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 the lawsuit. Um, and this is the, about the the so called found creator of email, right? <laughs> Inventor of yes. Which I'm not going to draw you out into <laughs> into potentially defaming him again on the, on the podcast, but. Um, and 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 so there, there were a, a number of different issues in there, and and so the different claims were dismissed for different reasons. The what I would argue was the um, you know the claims that that were the the most extreme in terms of statements on our site that that appeared um, you know to be the most extreme. Those were the ones that were protected by two thirty, and so the fear is that without two thirty. Um, it's possible that those would have made it past the the motion to dismiss stage. They were not made by anyone, you know, working for us. They were they were comments. Um, and your basis, for, and your and your basis for saying this is that 
I mean, it's twofold. One is that you would you, you would be an affirmative defense. So at the very least, you would have had to go farther to claim farther right. and farther along to claim um, uh, 230 in the first place. And then the second one is that you think that because uh, tech tech dirt, I, I always want to call you tech crunch, which is so disrespectful, <laughs> but it's just they're so similar. Um, they came after I'm us. So, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's just they're just similar. Um, uh, because you accept payment we've already sort of stated our, you know, our, our claims about whether, whether that, you know, the, the thing about accepting payment would, would suddenly t- pull the section 230 blanket away from you. But I, let, let's, let's, let's um, get into another point that this raises, which is, I mean, so, 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 br- right. Bring, bringing back to the Canada example, though, you know, one, one point is that um, as I just, you know, I discussed newspaper moderate, you know, right. comment sections, like, you can moderate comments. Yes. Like, I, I'm skeptical. I I know that would be a pain in the ass, but I guess I'm just skeptical that you're sitting on top of such a freaking fire hose of user content, of, of user comments, that it would truly be impossible to, to moderate them. Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean, right? We do moderation now. We do some moderation now. It's It's, you know, limited, and we try to be fairly open. But... But that's that is not the issue. The issue is, you know, even if we were to do some moderation, if it opens us up to that liability, um, you know, then then suddenly it becomes a real risk and it becomes a real hazard to us. And if you have somebody who really wants to take down the site, as has happened in the past, and uh, you know, we still get threats from people saying exactly that, like you know, you, you're you're biased against me, and you're trying to to harm me because of your articles, and I'm going to take you down because of it. Um, you know, if we have to make sure that nobody ever says anything mean about somebody who happens to be litigious, um, you know, that's that's going to be an issue, right? You know, and if we then have to go through that entire process and go through discovery with those those folks, that that becomes an issue. And and just to bring it back around to the to the Canada issue, you know, one of the important things in Canada is that uh, that they they have a it's a loser pays system, right? There's fee shifting involved. And so you don't have the slap problem to the same extent that you do in the US because you know, people will file lawsuits in the U.S. knowing that they'll lose, but knowing it doesn't matter because the expense for the publication or individual that they're suing is so high that that alone is punishment. That alone is intimidation. Whereas, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's true. But we, we've talked about this before, tweeted angrily about this before. But, <laughs> um, you know, you have to weigh that against the fact that libel law to begin with is much more the standards are much more plaintiff friendly in Canada because they don't have this first amendment rule about public figures and and matters of public concern. So, I mean, those two things cut in different ways and I don't think we're ever going to be able to like mathematically figure out what the, what the overall outcome is. But I, I I do think it's, you know, the, the, the fact that this kind of interactive user generated content can exist in, in a common law, a legal system without section 230 my point right. let, let me let me put it this way i, I i'm not saying that you that 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 
people like you might not get hurt. Certainly, if you know, you know, Section two thirty full repeal. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not arguing for. Uh, right. I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, but I'm saying that it's not justified to say this would wipe out the open internet. You know, I'd, I'd have to shut down. I, I think that's going too far. Well, I mean. Okay. I mean, I, I, I know the specifics of my business and what, what risk I am willing to take and what risk I am not willing to take, right? Um, and so, you know, okay. And so, but, but so I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's a little rich, at least, for you to determine whether or not I would stay in business or not. <laughs> you know, like, if, if you could guarantee you, something. You have opinions <laughs> that you want to get out in the world, sir. I don't see you just <laughs> writing them in your diary. I don't see it. Yeah, but but whether or not whether or not I'm willing to do that on my on my own dime is is different, or or whether or not I would then have to be forced to go work for you know some other publication. Not that not that Wired would hire me for for example. Well, but, you have to you, know. you have to get me fired first, and then you, then there'll, there'll be an open seat. We even kind of, I think we even kind of look similar, you and I. So they might not even notice that I'm gone. No, I mean, but, but, you, you're, no, but, you're right. I can't I, I can't say what you would do, but on the flip side, you can't like. So, that's so sort of let, an all-purpose yeah. trump card, right? That, that that doesn't get us very far if you pull out the. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But 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 let me get to a, to a deeper point. And I think that you know when I say like you know the impact on the open internet of this stuff, I do mean the 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 open internet. I don't mean that the internet completely shuts down. And this is the the same argument that that came up in in a bunch of the like net neutrality discussions as well. When we talk about how these things play out, we're not saying that the internet goes away or that these services completely go away, but that they do change in fundamental ways. And that can include significantly, you know, uh, suppressed speech and and oftentimes su- suppressed speech that we think is important and valuable right and and the example that we've brought up many times is like you know the me too discussion right or the black lives matter discussion in some cases that those are important forms of speech that we I, you know i i don't know where you stand on it but i think are important and valuable and should be out there and you know specifically in the me too context you know we know the history of where that has come from and we know the history of legal threats and intimidation and and slap suits frankly that have gone around that space for many many years and if we are putting more burden on the services and sites that will host that kind of speech and and you know put them at risk of massive liability against people who seem to have no qualms filing all sorts of abusive litigation to try and silence that speech and to protect their own reputation you know i worry about where that takes us and that is my larger concern with all of this and we can say sure there will still be spaces online where there are comments and stuff but we don't know what gets lost when you have that threat and when you have that intimidation. And, you know, for decades, we didn't know about some of the Me Too stuff, right? We didn't learn about that until much later. And then, you know, when that floodgate opened, it was great that it opened and we were able to have those discussions and, and pe- for people to see those things and to learn those things and to react accordingly. But if we close down the avenues in which many people were able to have those those conversations i i worry about what that means sure but I, but you're Im- embedded in that is the is the premise that we would shut down these avenues for for communication and i'm not convinced that that would happen i think this is a very valid concern and and i wish i'd i honestly really wish i'd had more room to to get into this part of the 
the debate, because um, I do think it matters. In some ways, this is just the same debate that we've always been having about free speech, and it's very hard to resolve sure. because it often involves weighing things that are impossible to measure. So how much speech gets lost when you – and this – I mean, this, this actually kind of gets into, I think, some of your conversation with Jamal Green in a recent episode that you did that I listened to um, that was really good. It's – you know, it's 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 telling. This does not settle the debate by any means, but it is it is noteworthy that some of the the most kind of prolific and thoughtful uh, proponents of Section Two Thirty reform, people like Marianne Franks and Danielle Citron, who I write about in my piece, they come at this uh, issue from a perspective of representing women who are abused mm-hmm. online. So that doesn't win. That doesn't mean they win, but it means that there are other ways of of weighing the balance of how good the sure. current status quo has been for categories of people um who who we worry about the most whether it's women b- being abused whether it's uh black people or gay people or anybody else and so there are arguments that cut in either direction and and another thing that makes this hard and I'm just like throwing up things that make it hard which is kind of an annoying debate <laughs> tactic but is that, you know, it's really hard. It's it, You can't just look in a vacuum at movements that have spread by using social media. You can't look at that and conclude, okay, so we have, sure. therefore we have more and better communication. Right, because right. The, I, you, agree, you know what I'm starting yes. to say. There are, the, 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 the rise of these technologies has also exacted really crippling tolls on communication in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and, and all of these things are true, right? And, and so I, I, I think we agree on that to some extent, right? There are a number of different variables at play here. And, and nobody is saying that that one single switch, you know, changes absolutely everything. But I think partly because of that, it's difficult to argue that, oh, you know, these changes to 230 will, will magically fix any of these problems at the same time. Um, that's for sure. That, that, that's, that's for sure. But, but the point I'm trying to make is this. Section 230 is the status quo that we have now. Mm-hmm. And it sets up a very, very strong liability shield. You can always say that it is, if Section 230 is right now at level 10, you can always say that if you take it down to even level 9, well, that's right. going to chill some speech. We're going to lose speech. And you, you just always can say that because the lot, you know, it's always plausible. And I don't think that that's terribly productive because it sort of implies that we've got the 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 um, the dial set at the perfect uh, at the perfect level right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I do. But I'm I'm going to push back on that too because you know we have examples within even the U.S. context, right? And I, and I point to the DMCA as as an example of where the dial is lower, right? So the DMCA and CDA 230 have similarities, right? They're both sort of an intermediary liability protection, but the DMCA one is is much lower, and it's really where a lot of the 230 reform proposals are that there's there's some sort of notice and takedown kind of provision, and we've seen how that works in practice, and it's a disaster. I mean, it is a true disaster in terms of the ability to take down important speech. Like, we get hit with DMCA claims all the time from people who are just mad about what we wrote. Um, 
and, and do you take down and do you take down what you wrote? I mean, we don't, but but Google has. Google has removed our stories from its index because of DMCA claims. You know, these things happen and and to ignore that reality I think is problematic as well. Yeah, and, I mean, DMCA we're not there's no doubt that you know more about it than I do. I'm not even going to try to to debate the the specifics with you. I, I I did talk about it, I will say, as I was doing my reporting for um, for this story, because I, you know it is an interesting analog. I agree, and and we see lots of problems with with DMCA because, as you say, it's you know it creates such an easy way to burden platforms with um, legal risk that they're going to err on the side of taking things down. But I'll just say, I'll just point out for listeners that opinions vary on how disastrous DMCA has been. And, you know, <laughs> sure. like the the, the, mu- the like the continued existence of of the music and movie industry was was somewhat in doubt before DM- before DMCA went into effect. You know, piracy was a yeah. real real threat to the ability to make I mean, money. I- yeah, with this stuff. I, I, so I, 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 yeah, but I don't, I don't think what saved them was the DMCA, and the DMCA went into effect in 1998. The, the real piracy issue happened after that, you know. And I don't think, uh, anyways, this is yeah, getting, we, <laughs> we're getting. I'm not here to weeds. defend. I'm not here to defend yeah, yeah, the DMCA, yeah. <laughs> and, and, your, and your point is well taken. Like one thing that I will certainly agree on is that, you know, you could, you could reform Section 230 in a terrible way. You know, it's it's not like I, it's not like, um, you know, it's it's not like I think Section 230 reform is, th- th- that anything would be better than what we have now. I, I don't think that. Where I, where my piece kind of ends up, it's not, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to say I have figured it out. I know the answer to this, but right. you can tell from reading it that I kind of give the most airtime uh, right. to an idea that's, um, Oh, and side note to your to your point in your rebuttal that like I don't tear you know I don't I don't subject every uh, critic of two thirty to the same scrutiny. Fair enough. Like I didn't really have time to pause and say and and the Safe Tech Act is actually bad for these reasons. I I'm right. kind of trying to imply it by sort of just giving the most sort of concluding with the one that I think is the most interesting. And so that's a side note just about the craft of the piece and why sure. and my defense of not addressing every objection. So so where I do end up is something proposed by Danielle Citron who's a professor a law professor in Virginia. Right. Um which is don't don't make all these exceptions to section 230. Instead just condition the immunity shield on taking reasonable steps to deal with um, the kind of content that's being sued over. Right. And the reason that I think that that's a a more reasonable way to go, there's a few reasons. So first of all, we don't want it to be the case that um, everybody... So, sorry, let, let me back up a little bit, actually, because so so I'm, I I I I I do want to hear this. I also do have to go to another call. Oh no! <laughs> so so oh yeah, we've been we've been going long. Time flies yes. when you're just nerding out. Um, so so so. Uh, uh, so I really do need to run and I, I, I feel bad because there still are other things I would love to continue this conversation on and and, and I, I'd love to also we can discuss Citron's proposal but I, I literally have to get <laughs> on another call so um, 
I'm I'm gonna end this. <laughs> oh my god, ultimate cliffhanger! Uh, let uh, me just say for your readers, everything I was gonna say after this was going to be very <laughs> persuasive. Um, and, and but uh, it, it feels like maybe we should have you back on. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you know how to and find we, me. We can continue this discussion. But but I, I do appreciate you taking the time, and this was an interesting discussion. And I really do need to run. Okay, so. thanks for having me. Go do your thing. <laughs> and uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. And we'll be back. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> Someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and dig up the cat. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and dig up the cat.